right. Everybody doing good today? Woo! I like it. Woo! I like it. Bill's always got that woo-hoo going on. I love it, man. So uh, glad you guys are here today. I want you to turn and look at somebody beside you and say, hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm glad you're here today because lives are going to be changed. Go ahead and tell them right now. Look beside you. I'm glad you're here because lives have been changed. And, uh, and so, hey, listen, that's already happened in the first service. I love that. One salvation already today and then others making decisions to let things go. Isn't it good? That's a good day, right? And so if you're joining us online, we're glad you're a part of it as well. And we believe that God is going to do something special in uh, people's lives. I believe that. And I always ask him to start with me. God, start right here. You know, start with me. You know, and if there's something I need to let go of, something I need to release, God, I want you to reveal that to me. We're in a series called Anxious About Nothing. And uh, we have been uh, literally unpacking some few things. Uh, but this is, this is an important uh, thing today, making the most of the opportunity, making the most of every opportunity that God gives us. And so we talked about a perspective of praise. We talked about, you know, letting go and letting God and then releasing, just letting things go. And uh, last week I used this passage here out of First Peter. Um, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I hope that you can uh, take that to heart and go, you know what? I mean, to cast all your anxiety. And there's some of you that have walked into the room today with anxiety. Maybe you had an anxious week. Uh, maybe it's been an anxious month or an anxious year, it seems like. You know, maybe there's, you just feel like, you know, you're, you're carrying a burden around that, man, your shoulders have become weary and tired. And I'm praying, I'm, I'm praying that God is going to let you, uh, are going to reveal to you how to let that go and how to let Him take that. And so there may be some things going on in your life that you go, Mike, you just don't know. I don't, I promise you I don't, but God does. And God knows that, he, you know, he, he knows He can handle it. And he knows you. He knows every detail of your life. He knows even how you think and the things that you've never even spoken out loud. He knows your thoughts. And so he, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants a relationship with you. And so hopefully today you're going to see what you're going through maybe a little bit different. Maybe you see it as an opportunity rather than a storm. Or maybe that rather than uh, seeing it as this dark, looming cloud that is over you, it's actually an opportunity for God to take you to a different place. And so Let's uh, look at a couple of things that we've kind of picked up as we've moved through this series. Anxiety is a great indicator that we are all human, right? Uh, we, we have anxious moments. Uh, there's, there's moments that we can, we can run into. Things can pop up. Un- unexpected things can literally make us anxious, right? Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I love to see people get scared. And, um, you know, like that's America's Funniest Video. That's some of my favorites is the stuff like that. And, you know, now my wife will kill me if I scare her. She wants to cut my throat, I think, whenever I try to scare her. But, but it's still, it's, it's funny whenever you see that. And uh, so you can have that anxious moment, right? But we don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. That, that's, that's the wrong way to live. But we have anxious moments. We even saw with Jesus in the garden that, it, you know, he had an anxious moment. He's asking the Father, Father, can this cup pass from me? But, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So, I mean, he's, he's bleeding drops of blood from his sweat. And so there's a lot of anxiety that is going on because Jesus is fully human. I mean, he feels everything that we feel. He is fully God. So we're not there, but I'm just telling you this. But he understands everything that you feel. So the anxiety that you feel, the abandonment that you feel, uh, whatever it may be, the betrayal that you feel, he has felt that. He, he knows what it feels like. And so he can empathize with us and he can understand what we're going through. And so I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, it's an indicator that we're all human and we, we rust with this. And we're going to see today there's a couple of opportunities for anxiety to take over as well. But just because you battle anxiety does not mean that you're a bad Christian. I think sometimes, you know, maybe you feel like, well, you know, I'm just not really where I need to be or, or whatever. And so just because you battle it does not mean that you're a bad Christian. But I will tell you this, 
If you live in that perpetual state of worry and anxiety, I'll just tell you this, you're living in sin. Now, if you have moments, that's one thing. But if you hang on to it and your trust is in yourself rather than God, then that becomes sin. Because what we do is we're hanging on to it. We won't let go. And when we're not trusting God with certain areas of our life, it becomes sin. But because you wrestle with it or you have a struggle with it does not mean that you're a bad Christian or that you're not a bad follower of Christ. It just means that you've got a struggle, right? But if there's a perpetual, ongoing, continually living in that same state of anxiety, I'm telling you that becomes sin. And we have to be willing to deal with that. And then there, there's some physical things that we deal with. There's some that have a physical need for medicine. You know, there's, there's things we can do, you know, to help with anxiety and stress. I mean, you can exercise. You can eat right. You know, you can get a good night's sleep. You can, if you have to take something to help you sleep, that, that's okay. I mean, there's times you need that. But we have, there, there are physical steps we can take. And then there are times that we have a need for, for medicine. And it's okay. God gives us great gifts that come from above. And so there, maybe you have low serotonin and you need a, a chemical to kind of help balance out the chemicals in your body. That's okay. We do that with insulin, right? You know, or maybe if you're battling cancer, you may say, well, you know, I'm going to do this chemotherapy. And you go through that chemotherapy and you're able to win the battle over cancer. Then we're okay with that. So it's okay sometimes to take something that helps you with your mind. Nobody wants to take anything that helps their mind, it seems like. But it's okay to do that. And, and I want to just give you permission. It's okay to take medicine for that if you need it. And I'll tell you something else. It's counseling. Counseling can help us deal with our anxiety. Sometimes an outside perspective, somebody sees it a little bit different than we do. You know, we see this thing as looming larger than it really is. And sometimes an outside perspective says, hey, listen, God's got this and it's doable. You've got this. And so there are, there are some needs that we have around us like that. And then anxious moments can be great opportunities for greater faith. That's really what, what I want us to unpack today. These anxious moments or these seasons that we go through can be some incredible moments for us to go to a, a, a different place spiritually. Um, none of us want storms blowing into our life. Everybody likes sunny days, right? And, you know, and you, you want to have beautiful weather. But there are times that storms come in and we learn a lot about ourselves in the storms that we go through. Sometimes the toughest lessons and the best lessons and the deepest lessons are in the tough seasons of life. It's in the, the moments whenever... Maybe life is not the way we had hoped, or life is not what we had dreamed of. And so it's in those moments that we can often learn. So Jesus tells us over and over, and if we'll trust Him and we'll release some things to Him, we talked about that last week, releasing some things can, in, can lead to, to great opportunities. So, so, so let's look at a, a passage today. Many guys are familiar with the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And so this is out of Matthew chapter 14, and, and, and we're going to see there's some moments for anxiety to kind of build here today. And, and, we, and one we're going to start right here at the very beginning really is with Jesus himself. And if you know uh, much about the story, it, like it says here, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, what news did he hear? He had just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And John the Baptist was his cousin, right? And, and so John the Baptist was the one that uh, made a way in the wilderness. He was literally telling everybody, hey, there's one that's coming, the Messiah, who that he, John said, I'm not even unworthy. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes or touch his feet. He said, that's how powerful he is. He goes, I baptize with water, but one's coming that will baptize with fire. And so he's pointing towards Jesus. Everything is pointing towards Christ. And, and so Jesus, you know, finds out, he hears, he gets word that John had been beheaded by, uh, by King Herod. King Herod had had a, had a birthday party or whatever, and this, uh, you know, and, and John had spoke against his marriage and against what he was doing, and uh, so he had him imprisoned, and, and anyway, the... The, this girl does a dance at, at his birthday party, and, 
It must, it must have been a really impressive dance. He said, hey, listen, you can have anything that you want. And so the girl's mother said, ask for John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. And he did it. And you talk about some jacked up people. That's some messed up people, right? What a birthday gift. And uh, so anyway, that was what they did. And so word gets to Jesus. And so here's Jesus going, you know what? That was, that was the one making the way. That was the one that announced the, the birth of the Messiah. That's my cousin. It's a relationship that he cared about. He even said that there's none born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So this, this affected Jesus, right? And, and so we see that, you know, he's affected by this news. And it says, and he left in a boat to a remote area to be, to be what? A, to be alone. And there are times that we need that. You know, there's times where we get hit hard. And, and what I love that Jesus teaches us is, hey, man, it's time to go be alone with the Father. It's time to go let God minister to us. Let the Father minister to us. And I can remember when my grandmother passed away, I was in like in the second grade. You know, and and we and I was staying with some, some family friends because uh, my mom and dad were having to take care of everything with my grandmother and uh, her being in the hospital. And then whenever she passed, you know, and I got news of it, I just wanted to be away from everybody. Even at second grade, I just wanted to be alone. I wanted to be with a father. I always wanted to go cry my eyes out. I just wanted to pour out my heart before God. I wanted to ask God why all those things. You know what I'm saying? And so, as, as a second grader, I, I understood that. And Jesus models that. You know, he, he's going to the Father, and he's going to spend time with him. Let the Father minister to him. And, and so I think it's a great reminder for us, you know, being alone with the Father is critical to, to the things that we're facing. It says, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So Jesus is, is trying to get away. He's just, hey, I need some time. I just need some time with the Father. And what a great model for us. And I think too often what we do is we, we rush into our day or we try to press on. And sometimes we just need to say, you know what, I need to spend time in prayer. And I don't know if you got up today and had any time in prayer. And maybe you go, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to church today, so they'll probably pray in the service or, you know, or they'll pray at the end of the message or something like that. But I'm just telling you, our personal conversation with God is critical to our day. And if we'll get up and begin our day spending time in prayer, asking God for direction, and I would just say this too, even in that time of prayer in the morning, if we begin to let things go early rather than getting to the end of the day and thinking, man, I wish I'd just given that to God earlier today. But we start our time alone with him in prayer so jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick now i I love this here's jesus who who's obviously hurting you know he's dealing with the emotions of john uh, being beheaded he knows god's plan he knows all things i get that but what i'm saying is he's dealing with the the human side of the emotion and so he's wanting to be alone but the crowds show up and he has compassion on them and so we see Jesus modeling, you know, hey, it's about meeting the needs of people around me. And sometimes whenever we're going through a storm, I know a lot of times we can make it all about us, right? It's all about me, how I'm feeling, you know, and it's, it's all about what I'm going through. And we forget, you know what, there's needs around us. And, and so I think the enemy loves for us to become so inward focused and so, so driven to, hey, let me focus on me. I know we've got to fix me at times, but I think sometimes we camp out there and we stop, we stop, you know, really fixing us, and we just want to be have a pity party, and we really get to the point where, hey, we, I'm the victim. And what we've got to be willing to do is got to be willing to get past that and say, God, help me to see the needs of the people around me. How do I minister to those around me? And, and so Jesus models that. He, he, he saw the huge crowd, stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And that evening, the disciples came to him and said, "This is a remote place, and and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can." They can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. I mean, think about this. This is the feeding of the 5,000, right? And that's just men. 
So there were men, 5,000 men, and then there's women and children. So, you know, there's you know, thousands of people here. And, and so the disciples are coming and say, hey, listen, Jesus, you need, to, you need to send all these people away and, and, and so they can go get food because everybody's kind of getting hangry. And, you know, I don't know if, about you, but, you know, we need to get them out of here and we don't want to have to deal with all that kind of deal. But look at what Jesus says. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Now, you're talking about an anxious moment. You imagine the disciples going, we're feeding them? Jesus, have you looked around at the gravity of this? Have you seen how many people are here? There are thousands upon thousands. I'm sure in their mind, I don't know if they spoke it. You know how sometimes you don't speak it, but you think it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're sitting there going like, like, do what? You know, I mean, what is he thinking? And so there's probably a little bit of anxiety in the disciples and the fact that Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll take care of this. He says, you feed them. Can you imagine that moment? And, and they're going, hey, we don't want to let him down. But how in the world are we going to do this, right? And, and says, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. We've got a boy's lunch. <laughs> Jesus, we've got a boy's lunch. How, how are we going to? And, and you, you know, I always wondered, you know, why didn't the disciples take any food for themselves? You know, I, I guess they thought, hey, Jesus is going to take care of it. Maybe so. I don't know. But there's only one little boy's lunch. I mean, a lot of adults didn't plan well, but the kid took care of food, right? He took care of the most important things, it seems like. Can you imagine when he was packing that lunch? You know, he had no idea he was going to be part of a miracle that would be written about and spoke about for years. And that God would be glorified through a little boy's lunch. So God can take anything, right? And and, and so, so we see this that says, but Jesus said that isn't necessary. He said, you feed them. And so Jesus takes these, these five uh, these five loaves of bread and these two fish, and he begins to feed thousands upon thousands. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling that what happens there. He says, bring them here, he said. And then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. And, and so one of the things I've been trying to challenge some of you guys to do is to bring things to Jesus. He can do a lot more with them than we can, right? And so when we bring things to him, and we leave them there, and we let them go, he can do way more than we could ever imagine. And so the disciples are like, hey, this is all we got. But Jesus says, just bring, with, bring to me what you have, and I'll take care of it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it go. I'll, I'll make it go further than you could ever imagine. And so they, they bring it to him. He says, bring it here. And they told, he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed him. So he blesses the food, and he blesses it. And all of a sudden, you know, we begin to see a miracle take place. And so Jesus, again, he goes to the Father. He's saying, Father... I'm asking you to bless this. I'm asking you to, to provide what is needed and to multiply this. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And so what I love about that, if you read that, is Jesus said, you feed them. Well, they end up feeding them. They're taking the food to them. They're distributing it, right? So they're, they're taking it there. And, you know, in, in my mind, this is how I, I work. I'm sitting here going like, all right, well, how did that happen, you know? I mean, was everybody watching? Like, if I ever go see a, a, a magic show or something like that, I try to watch everything that guy's doing because I don't want to be deceived because a lot of that's just deception, right? Sleight of hand type stuff. And so I wonder, you know, with somebody, because they may have thought, hey, I don't know what he's going to do with this, and maybe they didn't watch everything to see, hey, how did it happen? But there's a part of me that I wonder, you know, when Jesus broke it, did all of a sudden it begin to multiply right there? Or whenever he put it in the disciples' baskets and they begin to go around and serve it, you know, they're walking up and they're going, here, you know, here's some bread and here's some fish. And, and anyway, you know, whenever they look up to that person and say, hey, here's some bread and fish, and they look like, dude, there's some more in there. You know what I mean? How did that work? I mean, they're going like, dude, what is going on here? And there's some more. You know, I mean, how did that work? And so they're, they're giving it out, but they're distributing. They're what? They're feeding the people, just like Jesus said. 
And so I don't know how all that happened, like I said, but in my mind, I wish I could, I wish I could have been there, don't you? Just to see, hey, how did that happen? How did God do that? Because there's times that it doesn't make sense when we see God do things and go, God, I don't know how you did that. I, I don't know how you did that. But the thing is, is we can trust him. And so they distributed as, as they went around. So they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And, and so we, we see that they, they pick up the, they, they get all that they want. In other words, they get all the food they want, so they're full. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, there's times whenever, you know, you eat and you go, you know, man, I am full, I'm good. And then there's times when you eat and you go, you know, I feel like I sinned because I eat way more than I should have. And then you're just kind of sitting around. So I don't know which one it was, but they were all full. They had all they wanted, right? And then I've always been, you know, you know, wondered about the 12 baskets of leftovers. I mean, obviously God teaches us to be good stewards, to make sure that we, you know, we manage things well. We are good stewards of that. But I, I wonder what that was about. Was that, that, was that to tell the disciples, hey, I want you guys to know not only are we going to feed all these thousands upon thousands of people, but you guys are going to have, you're going to have leftovers. And you're going to have lunch for tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, what Jesus said, not only are we going to meet the need today, and he meets the need in our, in our life today, but he said, hey, listen, I'll meet the needs tomorrow as well. I'll cover today, but I'll cover tomorrow. And, you know, and, and so what we've got to be willing to do is say, you know, Jesus, help me to have that type of mentality that, you know what, I can trust you not only with today, but I can trust you with tomorrow. And oftentimes what we do when we have anxiety and we're laying in the bed at night and we're looking up the ceiling, we're trying to go to sleep, but we're worried a lot of times of what, about tomorrow, things that haven't even happened yet. And we're worried about those things and we're, we're worried about, you know, what if they do this or what if they say that or what if this happens or what if. And all these what ifs end up just robbing us of the peace and, and the rest and what we need. But what if we were able to say, you know what, I know that God has not only got today, but he's got tomorrow. And I trust him and I let it go. And instead of trying to me figure it out, I, I literally let it go and give it to God. So about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So in other words, it lets you know, dude, this is a bunch of people. This is a bunch of people being fed. So Jesus took the time alone, time to be alone with the Father after John's death. We covered that. But he, he took the time. He, was, he said, you know what, I need to be alone. And, and I would just, again, back up to that. There are times that what we do is we go to somebody, we get on the phone with somebody. We want to get on Facebook and rant or vent or whatever. Or maybe we go to Instagram or wherever, whatever your social media platform is and you want to out there. But instead, what if we were to, when a storm arises, whenever something makes you anxious and all of a sudden you begin to wonder, hey, what's going to happen? What if we were to go to the Father in prayer? Begin our day in prayer. Whenever that happens, whatever that moment is, instead of freaking out and wondering, what, hey, you know, what's going to happen? What ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what if? We get on our knees and say, Father, I just need to meet with you. And God, I am anxious right now. And God, I am struggling right now. And, and just transparent, just real, just say, God, I need you to work in me. I need your presence. I need your peace. And so Jesus models that for us. Jesus gave the disciples an opportunity to experience greater faith. He said, you feed them. So they could have seen that as a daunting task. You know, there may be some, sometimes maybe your boss says, hey, listen, I want you to do this. And you're going like, I can't do that. And, you, and maybe God's saying, hey, yes, you can, if you'll trust me. You know, I, I've got you. I'll, I'll give you what you need. And, and, and so I love this. You know, that as these guys are serving, they're growing in their faith. As they're walking around with a basket of, of food, they're going like, oh, my gosh, how is this happening? You know, and so they're growing in their faith. And I would just say to you guys, you know, if you're not serving, I don't think you're growing the way that God wants you to grow completely anyway. 
You know, next next Sunday we have our serve class, and I would encourage you to find your place of service. And you know, we had a, a lot of people just went through our membership class, and I was writing some notes to them, and I was just encouraging, them, hey, listen, man, find your place of service. Find where you can use your gifts. And, and maybe you're here and you go, my, my, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, then let's figure them out. Let's find out. Because God has gifted you. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, He has given you an endowment. He has given you a spiritual gift to be used to help build up the body of Christ. And, and so what I love is whenever we're all doing that, when everybody in here, not just a few, but when everybody is doing that, we're growing in our faith. We're using our gifts and we're watching the body of Christ expand and grow. And, and what I would say is, you know what? It causes my faith to grow. Just this past month, we had like 17 professions of faith in the services and stuff. You know, let me tell you, that's praiseworthy, folks. I mean, that, that's lives being changed. This morning, we had a young man put his life in Christ. You know, the same thing, salvation. I don't know if you understand what that's about. And I hope we never get to the point where that's not a big deal. But I'll just say this. That guy went from death unto life. His name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, he, he will never have to wonder about salvation again. He can know that, you know what, Jesus has redeemed him. And we get to walk in that peace. And here's the thing, that didn't, that didn't end it all, it just started it today. And so from this point forward, he will walk in that, he will grow in that, he will mature, and hopefully he will grow into a greater depth of faith, just like we should. Day by day, we trust him more and more, and we see God at work. And so as we're serving and using our spiritual gifts... I'm just telling you, we have a stronger faith. We grow in faith. And over and over, we see throughout these passages that we've read in this, this series where Jesus addresses faith. So us growing in our faith is critical to us being able to handle the anxiety moments whenever they come. It's critical that we do that. So Jesus gives us opportunities to trust him. So some of you guys may have had an opportunity today to trust him. Maybe, maybe today there's an opportunity that God says, hey, listen, I want you to trust me and he goes, hey, I want you to walk down. I want you to leave whatever you're dealing with. I want you to leave it at the altar. There may be some of you today, or maybe you're watching online, and you say, you know what? You know what, God, I, I, I trust you with my finances. And so I believe, you know, when we return the tithe, that's God. It's not mine to return anyway. I mean, my, mine to give. I'm just returning what he says. So it's an opportunity to trust God when God says, hey, be obedient to tithe. And then if I want to give, give anything above that. That's an offering. And so whenever I do that, it's an opportunity for me to trust him. And here's the thing, there's a lot of us in this room that, you know, we say, man, we trust Jesus for salvation, but there are some that do not trust Jesus with their finances or with their marriage or with their children or with other things. We go, God, I trust you for you to save my soul, but I can't trust you to raise my kids or help me raise my kids. I can't trust you to protect my children. I've got to do everything. I've got to be this overbearing parent that's so caught up in codependency. And God, I, I can't trust you, but I, I need to trust me because I love them. And I'm just telling you, he loves your children more than you'll ever love them. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I trust you in every area. And so we have opportunity after opportunity. It's not just financial. It may be that God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to bless somebody. I want you to just go do something for somebody. And you're like, well, they may not want me to do that. Just go trust God and try it. Go take care of something. Meet a need. Bless somebody. Pay for their meal. And, 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 and just ask God. God. If God tells you the other day I was going through the drive-thru, and it was, it was one of those funny moments. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm going through the drive-thru, and and I, I felt like the Lord told me to take care of the person behind me. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. And so I get up there and I said, uh, I said, hey, listen, I want to take care of mine. I said, I want to take care of the person behind me. And uh, the guy looked at me and he goes, it's this amount. And I was thinking, that's more than I was expecting. <laughs> I was like, man, what in the heck are they eating? Good gracious, you know. And I said, doesn't matter. And I gave it to him. He's like, okay. 
And, uh, and so I got home. I had to tell Lars, hey, listen, I want you to know I could not, I could not talk God out of this. Because I was sitting there going, maybe I'll do that tomorrow or whatever. And so anyway, whenever it happened, it was one of those things where I was like, God, I trust you. I don't know what was going on in that person's life, but I felt like God said, hey, listen, they need a blessing, and I just need you to be the channel for right now. You know what I'm saying? And so there are times that we just got to be able to say, God, I trust you. Now, I don't do that every time, but there are moments that God is telling you to do something. You just got to trust him. And I promise you, he, he, he is faithful. He is trustworthy. And so God gives us opportunities all the time. So here's, here's the next part of that passage. And, and most of you guys are familiar with this story as well. This is an incredible miracle as well. But this is where Jesus walks on the water. So immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. All right, so think about it again. He's just fed 5,000 plus, and so he's telling the disciples, hey, guys, I want you all to get in the boat, and I want you all to go back across the, the water. And, you, and knowing they're there to take care of him. They're serving him. They're watching over him, and even protecting him, right? Because there's religious leaders that want to take him out. There's Roman opposition. All this stuff's going on. And so, again, another anxious moment for the disciples. Wait, 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 Jesus. Don't you need us to stay here? And he's like, no, no, I want you guys to get in the boat. I want you to head on back. I got this. And they're probably looking around at all these thousands of people and like, you sure you don't want us to help break up the crowd and kind of send everybody home? You know, we can kind of break up and go in 12 different directions and we can tell everybody. And Jesus said, hey, listen, just trust me. I've got this. And so he puts these 12 guys in a boat, and he sends them across the water, right? And then he, Jesus, literally disperses the crowd. So Jesus has got the ability. He can handle it. You might think, man, that seems like a daunting task. Not for Jesus, right? He was able to do that. So after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. So again, we see the power in Jesus' life is evident, man, because he is so connected to the Father in prayer. And I'm just telling you, I'm going to back up to that again. I think too often what we do is when we go to pray, what we're doing is we're, try, we're really just using it as time to kind of think through the details. We're not really releasing things to God. We're not really asking God for direction. What we're doing sometimes is we're telling God what he ought to do. And we've kind of got it figured out. And we're, we're trying to control the situation by how we pray. And really it's not prayer at all. We're not surrendering. And we're not open to what God's saying. We're trying to tell him what he, we think he should do. And then we wonder why our prayers don't go answered. And so I believe that what we see here with Jesus, man, he, he modeled, hey, I'm going to meet with the Father. And whenever he met with the Father, man, there was always power displayed in some way, it seems like. In such a powerful way. And I would just say the same thing in our lives. When we meet with the Father, when I spend time with God, and this relationship is right right here, these relationships are always so much better. But we've got to be intentional about spending time with the Father. And, and Jesus prayed on into the evening. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in, in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I don't know if you have ever been out in a boat whenever it gets bad, but that's what they're in, right? And that can make you what? Anxious, right? You can kind of be freaking out, like, you know, you just wonder if they're, they're hollering at each other, like, man, this is bad waves, or are they going, would you row more, or would you do this? And they're getting on each other. They're, they're probably in panic mode out there a little bit, freaking out. Even though they're fishermen, they know it's bad. The Bible wouldn't have wrote about it being in a, them being in a bad way if it was just a little bit of a, just a little tiff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is something bad. These are fishermen who are used to being on the water. And, and so we see that, you know, these waves are getting bad and it's getting tough. And so this is another opportunity, if you will, for, for anxiety. Another storm has blown into their life. About 3 o'clock in the morning. All right, so Jesus, you know, probably sent everybody home before it got dark. And then he goes up into the, into the hills to pray. And, and, and literally, he prays until... 
3 o'clock in the morning. So Jesus didn't have a 15-minute prayer time or a 5-minute prayer time. Or, hey, listen, God, I'm asking you just to bless this food. But it was a, hey, I'm pouring my heart out. I'm hearing from you. Father, I want to be about your business. To about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. So there's the miracle, right? And, and, but it's also, it's an opportunity for anxiety. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. And so here's the thing. These guys have had a rough day. You know, they got, they got put on the spot. You got to feed 5,000 people. And then Jesus puts them in a boat. He says, hey, listen, I want you guys to go ahead and go. And they're like, we're supposed to be taking care of you. And, you know, I, you can almost imagine them kind of rowing away like, is he going to be okay? Is, you know, is everything good? And so as they're going away, they're worried and wondered about him. And then they're out there, and then a storm blows up. You're going, man, what a long day, right? And then at 3 o'clock in the morning to them, a ghost is walking on the water to them. And they're probably thinking, man, can this day ever get over? I mean, because this is a bad day. And so they're freaking out, and they go, it's a ghost. But look at what Jesus said. But Jesus spoke to them at once. At once. He says, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Best part of that whole passage is that right there. Jesus said, I'm here. And I think there's some of you in the room today, maybe some of you watching online, you need to hear that Jesus say that. You hear Jesus say that, I am here. You know, in the Great Commission, he tells us, hey, man, go and make disciples all over the world. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And know this, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so there's some of you in this room, you've, you've put your faith in Christ, and there's times you wonder, Jesus, where are you? And he's saying, hey, I'm here. I think back, again, you know, we put our faith in Christ for salvation. We, we literally surrender our life and jesus tells us that he places his spirit within us the holy spirit is placed within us and we're sealed with the holy spirit until the day of redemption and so the holy spirit is my counselor he's my teacher he prays for me when i don't even know how to pray to the father and so his presence is within me and so there's times whenever maybe you're going through something and some of you are here today and maybe you're going through a tough time and maybe you're anxious and maybe you just need to hear jesus say hey i'm here i'm at work in you and I'm going to work through you. And I'm at work in the situation. You guys got to trust me. He said, said, take courage, I'm here. So maybe some of you need to hear, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And, and so here's, here's Peter. He says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And, and I love this, that, you know, Peter wanted to be where, where Jesus was at. He wanted to be out there on the water. Here's a fisherman going, man, I want to walk on the water. I want to be where you're at, Jesus. And so he was saying, hey, I want to be where you're at. That's the best place to be. And so he, he literally, Jesus says, come on, dude. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Most of us, you know, we, we remember Jesus walking on the water. But what we mostly forget or what we mostly remember about Peter is that he sank. But at least he, he walked on water, right? I mean, we go, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is, you know, he is, he is the Messiah. That's one thing. But Peter is one of us. I mean, he is an ordinary guy. He's an old fisherman. But, man, it says he walked on water towards Jesus. And so faith comes into play, right? And so what, what is it that God can do in us normal old people if we put our faith in him, if we keep our eyes focused on him? And what can he do in our life that would become a light that maybe, you know, if God were to write another book, he might say, hey, listen, I'm going to write about what I did in this young guy's life or this young lady's life. It's like he wrote about Peter. And so God is, God is at work around us. We've got to see that. But Peter was willing to get out of the boat. I love this. Peter was willing to step out of the boat. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So in other words, it's obvious, you know, he, he gets out. 
he's going towards Jesus, and then all of a sudden he begins to look at the waves and the wind, and he's distracted. His focus is not on Jesus. And a lot of people say, well, he was focused on the things of this world, but it's the things that had made him anxious earlier. He's focused on those again. And I would just say there's some of you that there are times you go, you know what, man, I'm giving this to Jesus, and you're focused, and man, you're, you're at a good place. And all of a sudden your focus goes back to the things that had you anxious earlier. And you pick them up again and again and again. And what Jesus is saying is, you just got to put your faith in me and you got to trust me. Peter lost his focus there for a minute. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and says, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And so Jesus immediately, he was there. He was there in the moment, right? He reaches down and he picks up Peter. And he, called, he, he addresses it again. He goes, you, you have little faith. Why, why do you doubt me? You have so little faith. And I'm telling you over and over, we see it in Matthew chapter 6. We see it here in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is addressing that faith is critical. Faith is critical. So if we really want to be able to walk through life and not be anxious and not be worried about things, it goes back to our faith. It's time with the Father. It's trusting Jesus. And it's having faith in a God who is over all things, even storms. And the storms that blow into our life, we've got to know, you know what, God's over that storm. He's got that, you know, and I've got to trust Him. So the disciples had another opportunity. They had multiple opportunities in a day, right? They had opportunities to see Jesus feed 5,000, and even they were a part of that. They had an opportunity to grow in their faith as they're passing out the stuff. Then He says, hey, go pick up the 12 baskets. They go back and they pick all those up. They have, they're coming back going like, this is crazy, man. But the thing is, it's an opportunity for their faith to grow. And then they, you know, they push off. Jesus tells them to push off, go across. They, let, they leave Jesus behind. They trust, you know what, he's got this. They get out there. They get caught up in a storm. They got an opportunity again to trust in, in, in the God of the universe. To God, you got us. And then Jesus comes walking to them, freaks them out. They think it's a ghost. But he puts them at ease. And he says, hey, listen, it's me. I'm here. And I'm just saying, I think there's some of you in this room that need to hear, be, be of good courage, I am here. That's what Jesus is saying. I think about when Jesus... After the resurrection, all these same disciples were huddled up in a room out of fear that they would be crucified next. They were living in fear of the Romans. They were living in fear of the religious leaders. They were huddled up in a room, and Jesus walks in. He goes, peace be with you. And I hope maybe some of you in this room or maybe some of you watching online today, you hear that, that Jesus is saying, listen, peace be with you. And he wants you to trust him, and he wants you to have peace, and he wants you to be able to walk in life, not in a constant mindset of anxiety, but of peace. Jesus said, I am here. And I'm just telling you, he's here in this room. And for the believer, he's living within us, right? He, he lives within us. Jesus' presence in our life changes everything. No matter what you're going through, the presence of Christ in our life changes everything. Him showing up at that boat made a big difference, right? But I would just say this in our life, man, whenever we realize he is here, he is at work, it changes everything. It changes our perspective. You know, we, we need, we need uh, to understand sometimes that, you know, just Jesus being in control is way better than me being in control. And whenever I let him be in control, there's peace. And for some of you who, in the, who are in the room who have no peace, you need to just let things go. Peter was willing to step out on faith. I don't know what God is going to call you to do today, but I believe that God is going to put, he, I believe he's tapping on hearts all over this room, to be honest with you, and maybe even those online. But, you know, Peter got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. He took a step. You imagine stepping out of that boat and stepping on water and it's solid? 
You wouldn't think it would be him being a fisherman. He's been out there plenty of times. He's dove off into it. He's done all these things, but he's able to step out and walk on water. But he was willing to take a step. And so I'm, I'm sure there's some of you guys in the room or maybe those watching online that you're going, you know what? I feel like God is telling me this. I believe, see, I believe that God is revealing to some of you today something to do, a step to take. And you're going, man, Mike, I just don't know. Only God could do that. That's right. And so you've got to be willing to trust him. And it's a step of faith. And, and I don't know what that step of faith may be. Maybe it is to go to an altar and lay something down. Maybe it's to go to someone and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Maybe it's to say, God, I, I want to let this go for the, for the first time ever. I've been holding on to it. And God, I want to I want to let it go for the first time. Really let it go. Not just talk about letting it go, but really let it go. And, and so whatever that step of faith may be, man, I'm praying that you'll have the courage that, that Peter had to, to at least step out of the boat. Jesus wants us to trust him and surrender control. Most important thing we could do is, is to trust Jesus completely. You know, I, I just shared there are 17 people that have trusted Jesus for salvation in the last month. That's just here in the room. You know, one young man over here this morning uh, put his faith in Christ. But I believe there's some that watch online, maybe some in this room, that, man, they've thought about it, they've prayed about it, they've talked about it. But, man, they just haven't taken that step, just like Peter. And so maybe today that is the step of salvation, the step of faith that you need to take is faith in Jesus. It's to surrender your life. You know, what blows my mind is we'll talk about, and I know people, that, plenty of people that say that they believe that Jesus has saved them. But, man, they don't live like that. There ought to be evidence in our life. There ought to be fruit in our life. The fruit of the Spirit ought to be in our life. And so as we are going through life and as we trust Him and we surrender control daily, there ought to be more and more evidence of Jesus in our life. Not that we just say, hey, man, I prayed a prayer when I was 12, but we go, you know what? Man, my life has been transformed because of that prayer and that surrender that took place. And I'm not the person I used to be. I, I love to be able to say, you know what, man, that man is dead. That guy is gone. I am a new creation. I am a new person. God has given me a new heart. He's given me a new name. He's written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Man, I don't have to worry about where I'm going to spend eternity. I know that I'm His. I know that I've been purchased with a price. His precious blood. And so maybe for you today, maybe it's to put total trust and total surrender in the hands of Jesus. Maybe that's your step of faith. So here's some steps. I just want to kind of share some with you. These are not different than last week. There's sometimes I feel like, you know what? There's a lot of times I say, you know what? I need to preach that message again because I don't think anybody is really applying that or taking it home. So here's some of the steps. I choose today to focus on God's kingdom. I think we have to choose that every day. If we look back in Matthew, Jesus taught us. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, hey, listen, focus on the kingdom of God. Focus first and foremost on that, and I'll take care of the other details, right? And so I think maybe for today we go, you know what, God, I'm going to stay focused on the kingdom of God, those things that are eternal, those things that last forever. Not this temporal stuff, not this easy stuff down here that just, you know, it just convolutes everything. God, I want to stay focused on what matters most. God, help me to love you and love people. And then I choose today to praise in the present. We started this whole series out with a perspective of praise. I'm going to praise Him even in the middle of the storm, even in the bad diagnosis, even in the tough week, even in a tough day, even in an anxious moment. I'm going to say, you know what, God, I'm trusting you and I'm going to praise you because I know that you're faithful and I know that you can see me through this. I choose today to release whatever, is, whatever it is that's causing worry. And you know what that might be. Maybe you're sitting here today or at home and you're going, you know what? I keep worrying about this. I can't sleep at night because of this, this, this. And you know what it is. Maybe today you let it go. You choose to let it go. And then here's another. I choose to give thanks for what God has done. We look back and we begin to count our many blessings. And we name them one by one, right? Like the old hymn. 
We look back and we go, you know what? God's put breath in my lungs. God has given me another day. God has healed me of this, or God has healed this relationship, or God has done this. And we begin to point out all the things that He's done. And the more that we do that, the more that it guards our heart and our mind, and we have the peace that passes understanding. And so we begin to praise Him. We begin to thank Him for what He's done. And this last one, I choose to trust Jesus with everything and surrender control. That's the same one from last week. So maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you realize, you know what, that is exactly what I need to do. And so I want want to just ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, what's keeping you from surrendering everything? Would you be willing to release it all today? You know, anxiety really stems from us wrestling God for control. And so maybe today you give it all to Him once and for all. You release it. You let it go. There may be someone here in the room that has never put their faith in Christ for salvation. That's your greatest need. You go, Mike, man, I want to know what it's like to lay my head down on my pillow at night and have peace that passes understanding. I want to know that when I lay my head down on my pillow, that if I don't wake up, I know I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. I want to know that. Well, you can. And and Scripture even says, I've told you these things. You might know that you have salvation. You don't have to wonder. And so maybe you're here or maybe you're online. Let me encourage you just to, to choose Jesus right now. Just say, Jesus, I come to you. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I am broken. And I am full of anxiety. And so, Jesus, I want to... I want to ask you to heal me. I want to ask you to change my life. I want to ask you to forgive me. And so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And so, Jesus, I want to turn to you. And I fully surrender my life to you. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus, for salvation. I believe that you can save me. And I believe that you can change me. And I believe that you will heal me. I'm asking you to step into my life with all the faith that I have. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer here in the room, if you would, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. Anybody in the room? I see your hand right down here. Awesome. I see your hand. I see both of you. Anybody else? Welcome to the family of God. Right over here. I see your hand right down here. Man, that's awesome. Church, that's what it's about. It's eternal things. It's the kingdom of God. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices if one calls on Jesus to be redeemed. There's two or three in this room, and there's one in the earlier service that have taken place. And I don't know how many thousands across the globe today have made that, that most important decision to put their faith in Jesus for salvation. That's why we do what we do, right? I love it. If you just raised your hand for salvation, let me just say this. We, we're, we're excited for you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to help you with the next steps. And we want to help you celebrate believers baptism we're ba- i think we're baptizing next sunday next sunday would be a good day to take that first step of obedience but you know i believe there's a lot of believers here in the room that they knelt down their salvation a long time ago but man they're still holding on to stuff and they're living maybe in in a in a perpetual sense of anxiety and it's time today to let it go in just a second the worship team's going to sing the altar is going to be open 
prayer team is going to be there to pray with you, pray for you. But I believe there's some, some of you in this room, and maybe some of you even watching online, that you need to take that step. And that step may be to step out and go to the altar. At home, at that, that altar could be your coffee table. But here in this room, we, 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 we turn this, these steps into a, an altar. And it's just something about marking that moment and letting it go. And so as the worship team leads us in this song, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. But I want to, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to take a step like Peter did. Go ahead and let's stand all across the room. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads.